0: Hello, janksters, and welcome to episode two of the Magic Jank podcast, the weekly show where we touch on just news as it relates to Magic the Gathering, as well as kind of our, some fun anecdotes, and we banter with a couple members of the Magic Jank team. This week in the studio, we have myself, my Graham, aka HamHawks42, we have Carlos Efra Verdo Jr., and Hollywood Pizza Efrain himself. How are we doing today, gentlemen?
1: I'm doing great, doing great. Another day in paradise, as always.
2: Heck yes, you love to see it. And Hollywood, how you doing, man? Fantastic. Uh, another beautiful day. It's uh, a little bit hot over here. Um, you know, the good old uh, summertime is around the corner, a.k.a. it's already here. But uh, I mean, it's
0: been little a little bit we
2: are... Day. Yeah, we are definitely
0: like well into July as we're recording this, and you may note, dear listener, dear viewer, um, my voice is a little scratchy right now. I do apologize. Um, it's just that that time of year. I got I got something, and so. I I do apologize for that. So if if at any point these gentlemen want to just kind of keep the banter going, I'm going to let them as we uh, (laughs) we go on today. So I wanted to touch on a couple of things. But before we dive into the topics, I, of course, want to thank the, well, ultimately the host of this show, our sponsor, our kind of the umbrella team, magicjank.com, the online marketplace where you can buy and sell Magic the Gathering products. So if you out there have, like, tokens, alters, if you are a you know, if you have singles, of course, and sealed products, please take a look at magicjank.com as a way to reach a brand new audience, and if you're out there are a consumer of Magic products, which I'm assuming you are if we're listening to this, uh, definitely check out Magic Jank. It helps support this show, as well as these lovely creators that, uh, that that are here right now chatting with you. So, huge thank you to Magic Jank for making this show possible. All right. So the first order of business, uh, one of the biggest pieces of news that has hit the magic community um, in the last couple of weeks is the one of one ring has, in fact, been found. It has been located. It was purchased at a local game store, um, I believe, just outside of Toronto, which is kind of funny. I actually have some friends in that area. They were like, holy cow, I might have actually been able to open this like, well. Potentially. Um, And also of note, it was in a non-U.S. location, which they did promise it was going to be in an English collector box in North America. So they were very upfront uh, about that. But the fact that it was open in Canada, I think, is kind of cool. So, I don't know. So, Carla, what are your thoughts on the One Ring being found?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't want to say that, like, the hunt is over, like on those collector packs, but definitely something that we've seen over the last week or so is... Um, you know, not a whole lot of people being excited for purchasing like that product anymore. Um, and, you know, to those people, I would say there's still plenty of really good sweet hotness that you can get out of those collector boosters. Um, you know, the, the one of one ring, of course, being the chase card. But hello, there's 300 of a serialized soul <laughs> ring, another 500 or 700 of another and 900 of another one. Um, those are still worth quite a bit of money. Um, and the surge foils, I mean, some of them, those, those prices are going a little bit through the roof. So, um, you know, there's certainly lots of chase cards that you can still get out of those booster packs. Um, and you might be able to take advantage now of some of those prices going down, uh, to help you get some more of that sweet hotness. So, you know, it's great that it's sort of been found. I know I saw the day of the hype, um, from PSA and everywhere else. Uh, about it being out there, and ultimately somebody's life is changing because they found that ring, right? So whether they choose to keep it and hold on to it for a while, or they choose to sell it to some organization and make life-changing money, because that's what it is, um, it's certainly going to be put to good use. I
2: was, really, uh, I was really happy about it. Um, I felt like it gave really good closure to the you one of one ring itself um i feel like a lot of people wanted to see it get opened and kind of just wanted it to happen and i think like overall like lord of the rings is just like it has to be like the best set wizards has ever made um i in i think that what really surprised me to touch on like what carlo talked about as well is that even though the one ring got found the set is still being bought like crazy like it's not like anyone stopped buying the set it's like the set continues to sell um the one ring itself as a card has actually like shown itself <laughs> to be quite a powerful card here over the last week That's uh, in other Absolutely. formats like modern legacy things like that and there's other chase cards like bowmaster um you know there's like all the box toppers, which, you know, of course, Mm -hmm. are lands. And there's just, like... There's so much to really love about this set, and I think, like, the mythos behind, like, the One Ring is finalized because we now actually have it. So I think originally everyone thought, yeah, it's going to tank everything, and oh, no one's going to care, but, like, I think with this set specifically, it's proving that... Wizards really cares about their IPs. Like, I I touch on Warhammer a lot when I compare it to Lord of the Rings because Warhammer was just so well done. Like, everything about Warhammer was a a home run. Um, And that's how Lord of the Rings feels as well. And I Mm -hmm. think that this shows, you know, when everything Wizards does design, everything just you know, the way they promoted this, right? The Mm one-of-one ring essentially is, like, the biggest promotional piece Wizard has ever done. And it's a card. Of course it's going to be a card, right? And it really proves, like, you know, how much of a good set they can make. I feel like for the past, like, three years or something, probably even more than that, a lot of people kind of trash on... A lot of these standard sets, like, yeah, War of the Spark was powerful. Okay, Throne of Eldraine was powerful. But, you know, a lot of these sets still get trashed on because they're quote-unquote standard sets. And maybe this isn't the best comparable because this isn't a standard set. But at the same time, like, with this set, we see the flavor being knocked out of the park, right? And obviously, Lord of the Rings already has an established lore and an established fan base. But, you know, seeing Wizards of the Coast, you know, Magic the Gathering's perspective on it, And them kind of essentially, like, maintaining the credibility of the IP, just like a good comparison would be like the movies, right? Mm -hmm. Where, like, obviously the movies are revered in a different way than the books are, but they're also still considered, you know, to be the best Lord of the Rings, quote unquote, content, the best Lord of the Rings stuff that's around. And I think that this set is essentially kind of like that idea of, like, this just shows, like, how far and how good Wizards is at actually making a set and like it's just it's everything everything's just out of the park with this I'm just really happy it got found like it really Mm -hmm. brings closure to the set in terms of like oh we're chasing that one iconic piece and now the iconic piece is out there and like you know people are still going to keep buying the set because it's it's a really awesome set and it's going to be really interesting going forward whether or not they do this again and maybe how they do it again um like i may i had a conversation today where i was talking about uh doctor who and it's like well would they do like a one of one uh tardis or Hmm. would they do like a one of one you know whatever is gonna be the item and it's like maybe they can't do it every time but maybe they try to do something that's similar right to kind of like give that set a little bit more like a huge appeal. And I think that going forward, like it it seems like this worked. I think that as time is moving along in magic, we went from everyone legitimately just hating the walking dead cards (laughs) to the point where they're like, I don't want to see this on my table, blah, blah, blah type nonsense. And then now we've come across Mm -hmm. to, the Lord of the Rings, that's like celebrated. Like this set is so massively celebrated. And everyone's happy with it. And it's like something that's not supposed to be quote-unquote magic. And it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I'm still so excited if I open up a pack and I open up, you know, Sauron. Like, good for me. I love the card. Um, You know, especially, you know, you can open it up in those different types of booster fun. Like, it's still enjoyable for me to open up these booster packs. It's still an enjoyable set for me to play, whether that's in limited or play with the cards like in Commander. Um, you know, it, it's a great time. And the cards are impacting formats that they are legal in, right? Whether that's modern uh, in Paper Magic or historic or alchemy on Arena. Um, I, I could tell you, aside, you know, just playing Arena over the last two, three days or so, um, unless I was playing against an elf deck in historic, every other deck had the one ring in it like Mm -hmm. it's just a powerful magic card um and it's commanding its sort of single price point um and you know people are going to be seeking out that card they they're going to need it if they're interested in playing in those formats so uh yeah definitely look forward to the continued success of the lord of the rings set
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and I definitely have to echo that. One of the things I found kind of in trying to brew and playing in Historic, you need to be ready for a turn two Bowmasters and a turn four ring. You just got to be ready for it because people are running those cards. And they're incredibly powerful, so it makes sense. And yeah, I, I definitely have to echo all the sentiments about this set. And and pizza, I love that you mentioned The Walking Dead because I feel like the whole community has kind of changed its tone on um, the universes beyond, because you're right. When it was first released, and I'll be honest, there's actually a video on my YouTube channel. If you go back into the into the archives of horrible, dusty thumbnails um, of me going, I don't like Rick Grimes in magic. I was totally one of those guys who was complaining about that. So you can be one of the 30 people who saw that video as well. If you go back in, uh, yeah, and go look at that. But like, it represented a massive shift. In the way that cards were created moving forward, you know, it introduced Universes Beyond. And a lot of people didn't like that change, Mm -hmm. especially, and I think part of it was just the IP that they chose. Like, if they had led with Lord of the Rings or even Street Fighter, which is the one that they, one of the ones that they had announced in like that first wave of Universes Beyond, because all the people that I saw anyway on social media who were complaining about the Walking Dead cards adored the fact that there was a Street Fighter secret layer. And I remember looking at that being like, wait a minute. Like that's just the thing you like, and this is the thing you don't like, and now we've all kind of accepted like whether like this is here to stay, you know. And if if they're gonna be doing a crossover with a property that you don't enjoy, just forget about it and move on. But fortunately, you know the the properties that they're leaning into, I think, are the ones that have more crossover. With the Magic community, and we definitely see that with Lord of yep. the Rings. And I, I also, I have a sh- sneaking suspicion that um, the Wizards financial team would uh, would agree that this set was a was a success and, uh, yeah. and pretty good. Because I, have a feeling Wizards made money just hand over fist on this one. Because oh, yeah. um, oh my goodness, yeah. This uh, set and- has
2: um, <laughs> single handedly like turned around a lot of people's feelings and negativity about Magic in general over the last mm-hmm. couple years. I think that this set is really like. It really brought, you know the set's good when it brings everybody back to playing the game. Yeah. And it's only really happened like a few times in Magic. Um, I brought up, t- I bring up two instances specifically I brought up today um, when I was talking about cards and stuff at work was uh, the first one being the original Ravnica. When the original Ravnica mm-hmm. hit, uh, they spoiled Shocklands. And I remember when I, we looked at Shocklands and we were like, oh my God, they're the duels. Like, that was literally our first thought. It was like, oh, that says Plains Forest. Right. It's like, oh, that's the duel. And another time when it happened was the first Modern Masters. When the first Modern Masters hit, it felt like Lord of the Rings where it's like, oh, I can't find it. You better make sure that you pre-ordered it because if you didn't pre-order it, you're literally not going to get it. Right. And then people just kept buying it. Like, I personally bought, like, two and a half boxes of it and that was all that i could get if i could get more i would have bought more you know it would have been a set i would have bought like five or six boxes of and lord of rings is like that you know i work at lgs and i mean just today you know we had someone just pretty much buy like six boxes and it's like dude like this set just like crushes like Mm -hmm. and it really is it comes back to the one of one ring if this Mm -hmm. set doesn't have a one of one ring there's no real hype behind this set outside of it. its a Lord of the Rings set. Which might be enough to really sell good. Which, that's obviously what's maintaining it now. But, the hunt for this treasure item, this literally life-changing item mm-hmm. in a Magic the Gathering product has um, made the local news talk about it. Uh, made uh, the biggest YouTubers on the internet talk about it. Uh, you know, It's getting mentioned everywhere and Yeah, it's just really incredible, like, between where we've come in the universes beyond and where the game's at, right? Like, the game is in such a, like, huge state. Like, the competitive conversation is kind of, like, one that we could go off about forever, but arguably, right, like, the competitive scene in terms of, like, 75-card constructed decks, 60-card constructed decks, 15-card cyborg, like, it's kind of, like, taking a big hit, and the stability of like EDH and how big magic is has like really like kept it going and i feel like this is another step in the direction that magic's going to be going in the future where it's maybe it's like yeah playing for a lot of money is cool but so is like i don't know getting to play like your favorite things in card form like okay. the cool thing about magic is you actually get to tap your mana you get to put the put your little cardboard down and tap it and attack and do all these little imaginary cool, really cool things (laughs) that kind of like come together in the game. And I think that like, as we get more of these IPs coming in, it's going to be really incredible for everyone to kind of like enjoy the game in a different way. And it actually builds something that I think gets missed in like Hollywood movies, even when they cross over with like Marvel and stuff like that. I think that with magic, what it really does end up doing is that it does cross over both of the fan bases, mm-hmm. whereas necessarily that's not always going to happen with like Marvel, right? Like I, I'm not really a superhero guy. I liked all the Marvel movies. I'd watch them again probably, mm-hmm. but that didn't make me want to go buy all the comics. <clears throat> right. Whereas like Magic, I mean, there were people who were buying the starter decks for Lord of the Rings, who'd literally never touch it. There was kids coming into okay. the store who were buying collector packs who literally had never touched a magic card in their life just because they had it. They just kept saying, it's my one chance. It's my one. I got to play the lottery. I I got to, I have to do it. Right. I have to do it. Everyone has to at least have their chance in the lottery. Even. Yeah, Uh, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so incredible. Like it really, this really made me happy and it really bought, brought back a lot of like these old magic vibes that we've kind of been missing in, paper magic like paper magic is really you know a different beast than it used to be and this set i think kind of like brought back a lot of the paper stability that the game was like missing it really made people want to go out and buy cards you know nothing Mm. against the standard sets because i like the standard sets too but you know uh what what is it war of the machine march of the machine i I always call it war of the spark but march of the machine (laughs) Didn't make people want to go to the store and buy it, unless right. you really wanted to go get it. <clears throat> Whereas Lord of the Rings is everyone wants to go buy it. Everyone still wants to go buy it now, right? They're yeah. like almost upset sometimes that they can't afford it. That's how bad they want to buy it. Right? You know, it's like insane. Like I've never seen such a like. I don't think I've ever seen this. <laughs> huh. Like the demand for this sets just insane. It, it is, and I kept telling people like the cards weren't going to move in price and. They went down for like 2 days and then they've all kind of just gone mm-hmm. back up again. Like Nazgûl's are 20 bucks. Like what the hell? That's
0: nuts. I mean, I, I knew I expected that to be the most expensive uncommon in the set, but it being like one of the most expensive cards in the set, I what? That's I did not see that coming. Um I mean, they it's are nuts. awesome. So $20. I can see why people
2: want them, but between oof. 20 to 30 dollars for a Nazgûl, like I think that is the most money like an uncommon has like been like, Lotus Petal isn't even... Lotus Petal's, like, $15 like HP or something, right?
0: Yeah, I think like, it's. It, I think this is the fastest that we've seen an uncommon reach this price point. Because mm-hmm. to get to other uncommons, you got to be looking at, like, Aether Vial that was originally printed in Uncommon, or, you know, um, Skull Clamp before it got reprinted into the ground. You had a couple, like, really bomb uncommons that were really, really powerful back in the day, but a lot of those became expensive over time as people realized oh. how good they were and they didn't get reprinted. This one... This one came out just a couple weeks ago, and it's yeah, like this is on shelves right now. Like I would tell <laughs> you,
1: it's very difficult to open them out of packs. <laughs> That's for yeah, sure. I,
0: yeah, I, I I have noticed that. I have seen you know I've I've watched like box openings and I've seen people pull multiples of it's the same maybe rare one out Mad of the box.
2: Yeah, yeah. Seeing, yeah only one in a box. Absolutely. Yeah. That old so. tinfoil hat theory. Like uh, one time, uh, <laughs> yeah. we opened a case of M10. And didn't get a lightning bolt. What? How do you open a case and you don't even get a common? It's yeah, like that's what? How? Yeah. It's like mathematically that should like, be impossible. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mathematically that should be impossible, but it's like it happens. Like, and yeah. are the same way. It's like I've seen people. We saw people throughout the weekend when release was, and mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. open boxes, and yeah, like people would get maybe two in like a set box, and it would feel pretty good that you got two at least. Oh yeah. But yeah it's just this set is just fire like i've never Mm -hmm. i'm I'm telling you like arguably this is like the best set they've ever made and it's also the best selling set probably like at the end of the day when their numbers come out it's going to be like yeah Mm -hmm. we just like obliterated with this set like oh, absolutely yeah. obliterated yeah
0: they're, they're gonna clean house and, uh, and I agree the limited environment is fun the commander experience with these cards is just fantastic it's great, they're yeah. all unique and I think they, they hit the nail on the head flavor wise like the blending of flavor and the power level of the cards feels good you know mm-hmm. and yeah all in all completely agree so shifting gears a little bit <clears throat> the other kind of thing I want to talk about that actually has literally nothing to do with Lord of the Rings, uh, but I definitely wanted to touch on it because I know it's something that we all care quite a bit about, um, and that is Standard right now. So the reason that I want to talk about this <clears throat> is because Standard hasn't meaningfully changed since the bans of Invoke Despair, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, and Reckoner Bankbuster. However, I know I personally have noticed in my play experience things kind of shifting around, and some experimentation, and I kind of wanted to get your guys' opinion on this as well, because We're all arena arena players, you know. We're all arena streamers. So I don't know about you guys, but I play quite a bit of standard. I'm in there like all the time, and I'm usually trying to brew something in standard. You know, I'm always trying to find the next piece of tech that you know maybe if I get on a hot streak can get me to mythic in a way that nobody sees coming. Um, Especially in best of three, if you can pull off something that nobody has a sideboard that's ready, it's delightful. Um, Highly recommend. But uh, so I'm curious. What are your imp- impressions of Standard right now? So, like Pizza, let's let's start with you. What are your thoughts on where Standard is, and is it fun? Uh,
2: so I say this jokingly, but I wouldn't mind some Lord of the Rings cards and Standard. I'll start off by saying that I Agreed. think that, uh, Standard <laughs> would definitely uh, get a huge boost from the fun cards that are in that set. But uh, unjokingly, um, I. <laughs> Um, so we banned some cards, um, again, uh, it seems like we're just, you know, obviously I'm as someone who's been around it for so long. I I just, when bans happen, I'm still like, Whoa, we're banning cards. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like there are a lot of different problems with standard that can't just be solved with one thing. I also think on the other side of that, I think that the card pool is actually really fun, and there's a lot of different things that you really could do in this standard that you couldn't necessarily do in the past. So it's in this weird... It's still in the same situation in the post-Invoke Despair world where Hmm. you still have all these viable strategies... But you have to get really lucky to beat Esper and Atraxa. Anything that plays Atraxa. Doesn't matter if it's the domain deck. Doesn't matter if it's like reanimate the card on, you know, Jund, whatever, turn Mm -hmm. four, turn five. Like, you know, I think that I have two things about it. The first one being the inherent problem of competitive magic, which I personally don't think it's a problem. But Because we ban cards, obviously the popular opinion would be that it is considered a problem. Is that, oh my god, there's only two or three decks. Well, unfortunately that's how standard has literally always been. Because (laughs) we can't have the card pool big enough. Which we're trying to do that with the extended rotation. To actually see if the big card pool does actually end up helping the stability and health of the format. Right now we're still in the post banning, but in the still old mentality of... Unfortunately, all the best things are going to go to the top. So we banned three of the best things. Well, hell, you could have made an argument for 10 cards to be banned. So now the seven other cards that weren't black or red are probably going to be, be played. And that's exactly where we're going, where for me personally, like I said, there's a lot of things to do. But in competitive magic, arena is a very win to play. It's very incentivized to win, to hit your dailies or to rank up if that's what you really want to do. And you end up with a lot of the same decks showing up. And even in the tournaments that I host, you know, a higher percentage. These decks don't always do good either. Esper shows up and usually gets stomped. But um, these decks still show up in like a high percentage. And I think that in order to fix it, we either have to wait to see how the rotation works, or I think that. Something that it's probably not gonna change that is a big problem if we're talking about oh standard has problems is the card design. So a lot of the problem ends up being is that we have a lot of these cards that have a lot of words on them, and then it's like all it does is it makes a two-two and like puts a counter on something. And it has, like, just paragraphs on it. And then the card just isn't played because, yeah, it looks like it does a lot, but in reality, it doesn't really do anything. Then you have a card like Atraxa, where Atraxa literally has four pretty it has four keyword abilities. I mean, most mm-hmm. cards have one, and you feel, even in modern magic, most cards have one, you feel pretty good. Um, and then this card, is it's big. It's a 7-7, seven, seven, it flies lifelink, so it automatically gets you back in the game if you're against uh, aggressive strategy, mid-range strategy. On top of that, it draws you, like, up to, like, what, however many types, like, nine cards, six <laughs> cards or something, right? It ends up like, being just, a lot. Um, if you're
0: only drawing three, you've whiffed completely. Yeah, like, it's, and you're still probably yeah. going to
2: win. Mm-hmm. And I think that Atraxa itself is, like, a great example of, like, where magic's at in terms of, like, standard. And I think that until they figure out a way to still print really powerful cards, but tone it down so that the format isn't just warped by 10 cards, and then there's only, like, three, two to three de- There's There's, like, the best deck. There's a deck that can beat the best deck. And then there's, like, this other deck that just exists that happens to be pretty decent that can win sometimes. And it's, like, that's not really, like, rock, paper, scissors, because in standard it's just been mid-ranged for, like, five since siege rhino it's been mid-range since siege rhino um we had mid-range before with return to ravnica and theros and stuff but it was mm-hmm. a little bit different because like you had like devotion and you had like all these other decks that kind of did different things but like since return to ravnica theros like once cons and all that other stuff started to come out is when we really hit like mid-range town and we haven't looked back like obviously wizards wants us to have interactive games the players have asked for interactive games Mm -hmm. and unfortunately what ends up happening is that we get all these creatures that just like are better than the spells. I think that magic's at its best when the spells are better because then when you do land a threat and it actually does something, it doesn't have to be like a Traxa Mm -hmm. where like, oh, I play this card just wins. It can just be like, oh, look, it's a three mana four four that has Trample and Haste. Okay, sure. That's a fine card. But in today's magic, that card's a joke. That's like an uncommon. And we shouldn't, we probably shouldn't be there. And I think that that's the actual problem with standard is like people get upset because they want to be able to play a bunch of different decks. But inherently, it's like a competitive, it's supposed to be competitive. And then on top of that, you have the power level of these cards that come out and are either like two format warping and it kind of like makes people only want to gravitate to those cards because you want to win it's magic it's Mm -hmm. competitive magic you want to win it you can't i i always say this ham has heard me say this all the time you can't have both you you just can't have both you can either we can either show up to win or we can show up to have fun and that's the real difference between edh and tournament magic you can either show up to edh with your friends and try to have like this nice little cool game of Magic where you're all doing like all these cool little sweet little things. Somebody combos and wins, and you'll have like a good time. Or you can play competitive Magic, where I'm sorry to tell you, you're going to see the same five decks all the time. That yeah. that's just hey, what seeing, it's going to be
0: like. If you're seeing five different decks, that's usually considered a pretty good state. Well, and, and it's yeah. funny you mentioned a four-four Trample Haste. You said for three, which honestly would be fair, I think. But what you just described is very similar to Ulven Oddity, which is one of the better. Uh, examples of a green aggro creature, which is why green aggro is not a thing in the current meta, because this is kind of one yeah. of the better options. Uh, so, yeah. It's definitely yeah. interesting.
1: Yeah, you know, I would say, I don't want to say my take is like a little bit different. Um, I absolutely love where Standard's at right now. Um, and my comments probably biased because I play <laughs> Standard like 95% of the time on stream. Um, But, you know, I also have the great ability to play viewer-submitted decks literally all the time. And when I'm climbing the ladder, it's what what the community is submitting for me to play. So I get to play all these sorts of great decks, but against the meta. So it's absolutely accurate, right? Like, I'm playing against the same five decks, and it's all about knowing what are the most important cards to play against um, and how to interact with them. Is Attraxa hard to beat? Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> so you probably should be playing a deck that kills the opponent before they can to you. But, um, you know, as of recently, over the last, I would say, month, um, we've been doing incredibly well on the standard ladder playing a Demir Control deck. And mm. one of my most favorite cards to play with recently in standard is Fairy Mastermind. Um, and for a number of reasons, not only is that card a two, one flash flying opponent draws a card. I get to draw a card. Um, but turns out card works really well with Shieldred the apocalypse, which is already a very popular card. Right. Um, and you know, we've been climbing the ladder. I would say with Demir control playing it the first like week or two, uh, it started to get pretty popular, right? We put it out there on the interwebs. Uh, people started to play it, and then immediately, that next pizza box open, there were three different versions of Demir in the top eight. Got to the finals. And I'm like, nice. we found a little sweet spot, right? We know what Love cards it. work. And people were trying lots of different takes on it. They were playing Graveyard Trespasser in the main. As of last week, I started seeing Teferi Temporal Pilgrim hmm. being played in the main. We haven't seen Teferi really played in any top standard decks in quite some time outside of the occasional Esper build, right? So what the Bands did for me, in essence, is it's allowed for the creativity to be there. Yes. Are there the slot machine decks with Atraxa and Holly and Breach the Multiverse? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, they do have to ramp to get to that. So it's about how you can interact with that ramp. And this Demir deck that we've been playing originally designed... Um, by one of the viewers of my stream, USG Delivery, Um, and we've worked on this deck together as a community, and I would say, I think currently my record playing with the most recent version, I have 88 matches in, in best of three standard, and like 60 and 28 on the ladder. Dang. And we, last season, just like sprinted to Mythic with this deck, playing against the whole metagame. Kaito, shizuki Mm. another very favorite card of mine to play haven't seen that played in a while and the only reason we added that card in the deck is because i saw the power of kaito in the blue black rogues deck in pioneer and like this card has to be insane and you know combined with the mirex which is insane against other control builds and ramp builds that can't target you know this little one-one might, and it really lets you win with a poison win condition. Like this deck for me has been strong, and playing against the the metagame, we've had amazing matchups against the ramp decks that exist with the Traxa, uh, definitely against the Esper decks, pretty favored, and we have removal to even deal with the enchantment deck uh, that hmm. is really powerful because of Calyx out of after uh, out of aftermath. So, you know, I would I would take a strong look at some of these decks that might be considered a little off meta because they're quite powerful um but you know outside of of demir um folks trying different types of mid-range strategies still exist um whether you're trying to play with some boros build you know mono red still exists out there in different iterations um esper is there clearly Mm. blue white is there but in my opinion a little weak um but you can see some of these things on the ladder. And um, to what you just said, you know, the green aggro decks aren't really doing too well. But if you pair that with red a little bit, it might start to be more of a force to be reckoned with, you know? Potentially. Um, yeah, so it, it, I hadn't seen all these decks with Fable of the Breaker and Invoke Despair just mm-hmm. running the meta. Um, so in my opinion, Standard's in a much better position than it was. I am interested to see what happens with this extension of standard in the next year because they could have just banned the cards and then let rotation happen. But something has to be coming up within this next year of magic that made them say, this is not going to meld well. And so we need to try to fix this as best as possible now um, with the possibility for other action to be taken. It's possible with Wilds of Eldraine, Atraxa actually just becomes too powerful, Right. Yeah. Um, to me, Atraxa and Karn the Great Creator are the same card. The better cards you print with all of those keywords that you can take off of their triggered abilities or activated abilities makes them more broken. Um, and not to shift the conversation back to the One Ring, but Karn needs to be banned <laughs> from multiple formats. I've never it's... been happy to see this card resolved, th- not the once. More, the yeah. more you print broken card. artifacts, the more this <laughs> card gets better in those formats uh and if the one ring definitely isn't a testament to that i don't know what else is um so you know to me i love standard um i love playing the different decks that i get to play every day um and climb the ladder with you know there's there's something for everybody you could play a budget proliferate deck and do well on the ladder Mm -hmm. you can play straight up mono red free to play account and climb the ladder um and if you want to you know suit up some enchantments do that too If that's a jam that's your jam but there's so many possibilities available now if you just want to climb that ladder get those extra rewards do it if you want to be more competitive and sign up for the pizza box slice of standard sign up for it it's a free to play tournament right test out your favorite deck see how it does against the meta that's the only way you're going to know right so Absolutely. Nothing can hurt trying it out. And you know, I'm glad to see where standard is at now. And I'm excited to see where Standard comes with the next standard set, which will be Wilds of Veldrain. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I'm glad to agree in general. I do think I mean the bands were clearly a success. The like the meta did shift dramatically and I think we can all agree it is better for it. So like mm-hmm. that's great. I'm very grateful for that. Um, and I think in general it's in a better spot than it has been in probably at least the last year, if not even more than that. Um, because it's funny, I feel like before the last rotation, mid-range wasn't great. And then the rotation happened, and it's been just mid range as far as the eye can see. Right. And it's like if we could hit somewhere in between, and I think we're starting to get there. Like you're seeing those like all in, super fast, aggressive decks, and that they seem to be working to some degree. Um, especially in best of one. Oh my goodness. Um, but definitely in best of three as well. And true control is back on the menu. that is that is that is back. Excuse me. the one issue that I that I see though, the one thing that I don't love is there seems to be a power gap. There seems to be a power disparity. but honestly that's been there for a long time, where the best cards are so much better than even the second best options. You know, So you mentioned like Sheldred, the Apocalypse. She's honestly one of, if not the single strongest 4-drop in the format right now. Yes, there's a ton of ways to remove her. And, like, I don't think she's an inherently busted card. So, like, when people start calling for her to be banned, I kind of like, yeah I don't know about that. But at the same time, if you're running black, there's almost no reason not to run at least two copies of this. Because, I don't know, there are going to be some games where you just throw it down and they don't have removal, so... Right. Screw them, I guess, I just won that game. You know, like, <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, that's kind of rough. And it tracks it kind of the same way, where it's like, if it hits and you can't immediately remove it and then kill me the next turn, it doesn't matter. Like, it just doesn't matter, because that hit the field, game's over. Um, but as a result, the reactions, the responses are amazing. Like, the removal suite that is yeah. that exists in Standard right now is bonkers. Like, I was watching some Legacy you know, content on YouTube and those decks were running Sheldred's Edict. That's just an uncommon that we just have in standard. That card is nuts. You know, and we have go for the throat. We have infernal grasp. We have all the, we have faithful absence. We have lay down arms. We have, you know, the wandering emperor, like the responses. Voidrend is one that in some of those Esper decks is shockingly good. yeah. Um, Yeah. And then the Counterspell Suite also looks really great. You know, we have Make Disappear, which is showing up all over the place. Disdainful Stroke, Spell Pierce. You name it, we got it right now. Like, the responses, the control is fantastic. Um, But it has to be, because of any one of those threats. Like, you mentioned Graveyard Trespasser. It's a great example of a pretty unassuming card that, like, nobody's calling to be banned. But if that thing sticks around for three or four turns, and you don't have an answer... You know, that, that's very yeah. real pressure that you have to come up, you know, you have to respond to, yeah. or you're done.
1: And, and yeah. like I said, if I was any deck in Standard right now, and you really didn't have any, like, mana-restricting situations, throw two Myricks in your deck and <laughs> say good luck when you think that there's no answer that you might have, and you're, you and your opponent get into that, that, that you know, sort of uh, aspect of where you're top decking. Uh, is going to win you the game. And even though it only taps four colorless late game, that doesn't matter. And you can still hit all your double colors on three and four by playing this card. Um, this card has been an all-star. Um, so I would recommend to anybody who can fit like two copies of this card in your deck, do it right. Playing 23 to 26 lands, two of this card can't do you no wrong.
2: Yeah, this I is like the perfect uh, creature land type card where like it doesn't necessarily turn into a creature, but it makes uh, tokens mm-hmm. kind of like a Castle Ardenvale. Uh, yeah. Castle Ardenvale was a little bit more like better on uh, the control aspect of the game because you could block. But Myricks, uh we all know poison can end the game rather quickly. And mirix mm-hmm. uh, is, yeah, definitely shown up in a lot of different decks. And I think, yeah, even now it's still underrated. It's definitely yeah. like one of the best lands in standard.
0: I don't kind of agree with that. Actually, now that you mentioned it, I'm realizing I have a handful of lists where I need to go add these because, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think a big piece of that is the fact that it taps for any color when it when it drops. So if you are running, you know, a three-color deck and you have things like Blood Tithe Harvester or Topiary Stomper where, like, you need those colors on time, it mm-hmm. does give you that, the turn you need it, you know, if you time your land drops correctly, you know, so just kind of sandbag this one, drop it on two or three, when you need that color, you're good to go. It's, yeah, it's pretty fantastic. So you yeah, have the design on this one. It feels like they hit it out of the park. Mm-hmm. And you're right, because we've all seen those that situation right now with control elements and board wipes being so powerful, getting to attrition, getting to that point where both players kind of have nothing and you're in top deck mode and you just need some action, off the top. In those turns, being able to just effectively tap four mana and just rock out a might, yeah, that could be the difference. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. No, that's a great call-out. I dig it.
2: Cool. Yeah, overall, I think, like, I know I sounded a bit negative about Center, but I think overall, <laughs> it is it is better than it was, and I, uh, I'm more interested to see what it looks like um, when we finally have all the sets in. Like Mm -hmm. when it's this time next year, we're going to be like, holy crap, look how many different decks there are. And oh, man, look, you can, you know, all these sets are having a great impact. And I think that uh, right now we're in this weird limbo that we're kind of like waiting for that to happen. Mm -hmm. And we're also waiting to kind of see what happens um, to see how it ends up working. And we know that they're going to start designing their sets uh, with this in future. So technically... In Eldraine's third year, by the time when it gets close to that set's rotating, the new sets coming out will actually be impacting Eldraine as well. Yep. Because the design will have actually caught up to uh, all the sets that are in standard at that time. So it's going to be interesting. I'm excited for that, honestly, to see uh, what impact that has.
1: For sure, watch out for those sleeper cards. Mm-hmm. I think I think aftermath has a lot of sleepers that people aren't playing with right now from the new Samut to the Narset um, you know these are cards that are gonna get better as um, cards that really matter for them um, continue to get produced and and spoiled um, so don't sleep on them um, make sure you got them because you know they're they they in my opinion, there's lots of really playable cards in that set. Um, and I don't think it really got to experience what it should have because of other releases so far. Even mm-hmm. though it was a very small supplemental set. So definitely check that out um, if you haven't done so already.
0: I'm curious, actually. and You mentioned Aftermath. The first thing, when you said sleeper cards that are in Aftermath, my brain went to one, one specific one that I think everyone is sleeping on right now. And that's filter out Mm -hmm. what are are your thoughts on that one filter out
1: is great i mean when they spoiled that card to me it was like a uh cheaper cyclonic rift overload Mm -hmm. almost right um you know the only downside about it is it says non-creature so it's not bouncing any of those um but you know hey if you're playing against the enchantment deck and they've got Double hollowed, haunting out against you and Mm -hmm. teaching to the Kirin. You know, for three mana, you deal with all of those.
0: And and they have three of your creatures under ossifications or
1: whatever. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly that. Right. They've got my Elish Mom under ossification (laughs) and my Itali under ossification. Mm -hmm. Let's cast this filter out and get both of those back and double triggers uh, and spin the wheel. You know, um, so, yeah, this is definitely a sleeper uncommon.
0: Yeah, so I, I think this card is actually just really powerful, and I feel like the EDH community kind of identified that it was really good. But I think the I think there are sideboard slots in Standard, they, depending on how the meta shifts, depending on where we end up, where this could could see some play. This is one For of sure. those
2: cards that's uh, very flexible. Like I automatically was like leaning towards EDH originally, but now after mm-hmm. like tonight, it's like, oh man, I'll just bounce my ring and step. and then i'll just like replay it again take no damage on your on your upkeep yeah yeah. (laughs) i'll just like reset my opponents like board if they're like trying to combo with these weird permanents and then i'll also go off with my card it's 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 really good card honestly it's in that sweet spot of three mana right
0: or against a control player who has a whole bunch of planeswalkers online you know, and no real, like, a whole bunch of Planeswalkers, maybe some enchantments, yeah. and they've been drawing a ton of cards. It's like, okay, on your end step, I'm going to have you pick all of that up, now discard to hand size. Cool, then I'll go. <laughs> I don't know. The the implication of this being instant speed, I think, could be really nasty, and for only three mana. Um, Those incubators? Uh, before they convert, the, yeah. then does all the incubator tokens. And treasure tokens, mana. if that's a yep. thing that your opponent's yep.
2: sitting on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think... Uh, Seems good. To touch on the sleeper thing like you guys are, I think, like, the adv- a lot of people always used to ask me, like, when is, like, a good time to get cards and, you know, when, when, like, the best time and all this other stuff is. And it's actually, like, right now, it's actually in this grace period of standard essentially is cooling down. There's not going to mm-hmm. be a standard set till September, so we have almost three months uh, in between, three months or more in between the last set and that set. And right now, card prices are going to dip. So, you know, if you really want to get into, you know, we talk about what's going to get people back into standard. Well, you know, I'm giving you some secret tip. Uh, You buy your cards in August. You buy your cards July and August when they're at their floor. And then when standard comes back in September, essentially, all those tournament staples that uh, were lower in price because no one was playing them yet. Uh, We'll essentially go back up in price. Obviously, we don't have a rotation this time. But like Carlos saying, there's a lot of cards right now that have a massive, massive floor. uh, And, you know, they're worthless pretty much. And, you know, if Standard makes a comeback in real life, then you're going to be looking at or, you know, it's RCQ season again. Standard, you're going to be looking at, you know, Bank Busters or, you know, Fable the Mirror Breakers that are $20 where, even fables price has taken a hit. where originally a lot of people were like, well, you know, it's a really good card. It probably won't move, but it's a Testament to how important, even a format that's not even getting played as much as standard. And so get your cards now yeah. while they're all bulk rares, or you're going to regret it. When was it pack leader? Uh, I remember I wanted to buy a pack leader and I was like, Oh, it's like 50 cents. And I was like, oh, I'll buy it later. I was like, there's no way that card is going to be worth something. And then in its height, it was like a almost $10 card in standard. And, yeah. uh, I really regretted not getting it uh yeah. when i could have gotten it mm-hmm. for 50 cents so yeah and that was in august so get them you know july august you buy your cards now and then when september hits uh you're gonna have a lot of misses but when your hits hit they hit hard you know they really do yeah
1: and if i if i remember properly we will be getting a standard rcq season but a year from now because it's currently hmm. pioneer then it goes to modern and then it will be standard So, you know, you're talking like, what, February, seeing a a standard RCQ season, February, March of 2024, um, where standard will be pretty large. Um, Our hope, at least my hope, Wizards of the Coast, if you're listening to the fantastic Magic Jank podcast, is announcing some type of of revitalization of standard at MagicCon Vegas. Uh, which would be a prime time to do that. So, you know, let us know what you're going to do because we're ready to play tabletop standard <laughs> for sure. Um, Heck yes. And, you know, when you have a format like now that has unlimited sources of mana, meaning like, hey, if you haven't picked up your Trilands yet, you should because they're never going to go down in price, right? Um, whether that's like Zeatora's Proving Crowns or Jetmir's Garden, you know, stock up because they are played in other formats other than standard. And if it's anything like the Icoria lands, they're gonna keep going up in price.
0: Oh yeah, these um, things are never gonna yeah. lose their value. They're they're yeah. fetchable. They're tri lands. You can cycle them. They're. I mean, we saw with the Triomes, the, like the the first set. Yeah. Those things have never. I I think I don't think they've ever meaningfully dipped, and I don't expect they ever will unless they get a massive reprinting, mm-hmm. which I wouldn't be mad at. No. Um, yeah. Which actually. Brings us to another topic that I wanted to touch on today, um, which honestly we could go on for quite a bit about. But when we're thinking about reprinting, we have Commander Masters is a form is a set that's going to be coming out. And what are um, I'm just curious, what do you guys think might be in the Commander Masters product? You know, we mentioned the Trilands, and I feel like those could use a uh, a reprint. So I feel uh, honestly I'm going a little off off of our established timeline, because I saw a perfect segue, so I was going to take it, dang it. Um, (laughs) uh, We'll cover everything we've got to talk about, don't worry, we will. But So I personally think, when it comes to Commander Masters, I think the things that we need to see the most are mana production. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to see. I want to see reprints of, you know, very popular Commander cards. And we have seen, they've proven that they have uh, shown Jeweled Lotus. Yep. Is going to be in the set, so great. That's like a perfect spot for it. Um, and we've seen Soul Ring and Arcane Signet kind of get reprinted into the ground, which they should be. So great. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good thing. Um, but I would love to see all the Tri Lands. I want to see the the, the initial Triomes. I want to see the new Capenna Lands. Mm-hmm. I think that would be amazing. I know we just recently got the new Capenna Lands. I kind of don't care. I think we need as many of these in circulation as we can possibly get. Um, and Commander is a format that is going to benefit from them dramatically. For sure. Yeah, yeah so that.
1: In, in, interestingly enough, so Commander Masters, the set, is all reprints. The Commander decks that come with them are all new cards, uh, which I think is a pretty good touch. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of reprints, um, I think you definitely want to see something like Dockside uh, Exorcist get a whole nother reprint, even though it was just in a Master set. Um, I feel like this is now the staple any time they make Commander reprints, just needs mm-hmm. to have this card. Um, I don't want to call it like the Tarmogoyf of Commander, but that's what I think about when I think about this card. Um, whether it's casual decks that are playing it or CEDH decks that are playing it,
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: I want to see this card in every product that has you know massive reprints because um, I think this card is still like fifty plus dollars and
0: something like that. You know, yeah. any
1: red deck is or deck that features red probably should be playing this card. Uh, if you care about playing, like, higher-powered mm-hmm. um, EDH. Um, yeah. But I would definitely like to see this card in, in Commander Masters.
0: I completely agree. They need to do one of two things with Doctite Distortionist. Reprint it into Oblivion or ban it and never ban speak it. of it again. Those are like the, the only two choices. You either give it the Soul Ring treatment or the Hull Breacher treatment. One or the other. And, and I'm with you. I think at this point, it is a powerful card. It is a staple in the format. Just give us a million different versions. And, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. So I am really hoping that Wizards continues with the bangers. So I am gonna predict that the Fetchlands are going to be in this set. I think that this set is gonna have the most value we've ever seen in a master set. Ooh. I think that when you open a booster pack of this set, you're gonna love it. You're gonna you're gonna be like you're gonna you're gonna be scared because the packs are gonna be so good. So I personally, I'm expecting the this one we're seeing on the screen right now, mm-hmm. uh, the cons fetch lands. I'm specifically talking about because the enemy fetch lands were reprinted, and they're all about like 15 bucks, 15, 20 bucks. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Misty's like 30, uh, probably on the expensive end. So I mean, like those have actually like stabilized at a low enough price where like building your modern mana bases, or you, you know, if you really want your EDH mana base to be nice, it's not as expensive anymore and right. Outside of Winso Heath, which is probably a $10 or $20 one. Uh, almost all the other ones are like between $40 to $60, with you know uh, Bloodstained Meyer being the most expensive. And I'm expecting these to be in there because I think that me personally, I wouldn't want the set to be too top heavy with just Lotus or Dragon and like three other commanders that are actually worth money, or the dockside and like two other cards. Mm-hmm. I would want this to be the master set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got fetch lands. How about we just also reprint the battle bond lands? That mm. way, we you know, how about you know, it feels like you're going to get a good land out of every pack. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to incentivize somebody to want to get into EDH and want to buy this set for their decks. When you know that you can open your pack and either get this luxury suite or you can get a bloodstained mire. Um, I think that'd be really, really cool. Uh, Outside of that, for me, I am definitely expecting a lot of like these uh, specific creature type based strategies, which are going to be like an Eldrazi, the Slivers. I -hmm. think that that's gonna be like really really uh interesting in terms of what mechanics are going to be in because i think that what's actually what makes predicting reprints so hard is that a lot of the reprints we want aren't mechanics and Hmm. a lot Hmm. of these sets i don't know about commander masters because it's obviously a commander set but i'm sure they still want you to play limited so Mm -hmm. to some capacity there's going to be mechanics in the set that maybe aren't the most powerful I was also thinking, hey, are we going to see a return to Monarch? Are we going to see a return to Initiative? Because maybe we could see some of those cards make a comeback. We've seen in supplemental products that they're not scared to do that uh, in specific sets. So I I really think this set's going to be all bangers. I think this is just mm-hmm. going to be like uh, Empty Your Wallet Summer, mm-hmm. um, where it's like you go from literally going broke from Lord of the Rings, and then they're like, oh, oh so you like Lord of the Rings? They're like, how about Fetchlands and Jewel Lotus? And you're like, oh, man, but I just just bought all the Lord of the Rings. You mean I have to sell
1: my serialized soul rings so I can buy Commander Master's products?
2: Yes. That's the idea, yeah.
1: (laughs) Now, funny enough, Commander Master's Collector Boosters only come four per box. So you know that those special cards that are going to come out of only Collector Boosters are going to be worth a ton of money. especially if that's the product i gotta buy to open up an etched foil jeweled lotus right so think about it like that like all of those booster fun cards Mm -hmm. they're all gonna be worth a ton right um and so i'm hoping that you know as that continues to be like you said you know hollywood banger cards like that's the spot it needs to be and um you know, hopefully that'll let some of those specialty cards retain the super expensive value for the consumer right who's purchasing them who's already spending what is it like 250 bucks or 300 dollars plus for four boosters which reminds me a lot of double masters so but, you know it, which to it, be it fair was a
0: set that that set was chock full of value so yeah. hopefully people follow suit. Fast.
2: I still get people every day that, not every day, but at least like twice a week where they come in and they're like, oh, do you guys have double masters? Oh, do you guys have um, ultimate masters? Oh, and it's like, I'm telling you, they gotta, I'm not going to be happy unless they put two rare land cycles. Or they put a whole, no, I'm not going to be happy unless they put like 20 lands in the set that are actually playable. Yeah. Right? You get the whole cycle of the the battle bond lands and we -hmm. either get the triumphs, the fetch lands, or... They can cop out and give us the Lorwyn lands again. And I would probably mm. be just be okay with that, honestly, because it's another rare land cycle, at least.
0: Could you imagine if they gave us the shocks and the fetches in the same packs? How sick would that be? Like, could you, if you could draft, like, a modern caliber mana base. Oh, dude. I- People would be happy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That I think something like that would be bananas. I would love I- to see that.
2: I think that this kind of ties into like some of our whole conversation as a whole tonight. And I was having this conversation today, which kind of ties back a little bit into the standard, where I just feel like they don't really lose anything by adding these cards into the set. Like the reprint equity, obviously, is something that has to be managed, but like I don't really, you know, I don't really think putting the Shocks and the fetches in here is gonna kill their price. Like these are like Darkside is the best example, where side I actually think Carlo Darkside was a perfect example comparison mm-hmm. to Tarmogoyf because mm-hmm. what happened I I make this comparison all the time to a lot of different things, but what Tarmogoyf was Tarmogoyf got reprinted and it doubled in price. It was a hundred dollar card and went up to like two hundred yeah. dollars. Darkside got reprinted and dockside still like 50 60 bucks dockside was like maybe 75 at the most Mm -hmm. 80 bucks so it only literally dipped like maybe 20 bucks and it's just going to go back up again so you can there's certain cards that you can reprint like 10 times like sensei's divining top cyclonic rift Mm -hmm. uh any of these cards that you have to play with them they're gonna retain their value like you could reprint fetches now and then they'll probably be about 15 to 20. Well, the enemy fetches are probably going to go up because anytime one of the other ones reprinted, then the, you know, the, the scales tip and yep. kind of balances itself out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the value is always going to be there. And Do, to talk think, about standards resurgence, it's like, give us the promos in the same way. Like Absolutely. You know, well, I, I think, you want, you know?
0: I think Sol Ring is probably the best example. Like when you talk about the value, I mean, without hyperbole, there are probably a million copies of Sol Ring in Rotation. Like, every pre-con had one. They've reprinted it into, like, commander-specific sets. It's just, it is getting reprinted with every single commander product. And it's still worth $2. Yeah. You know, it, because it's, I mean, in that case, it's basically an auto-include in almost every deck. Mm-hmm. You know, so that is an extreme example. But still, for a card to be that ubiquitous and still be worth more than a nickel is, you know... That's I mean, two dollars is not a money card, of course, but that it'll always blow my mind. Swords of, the swords of Plows Swords of Plowshare yeah. has
2: been reprinted <clears throat> since literally the beginning of Magic. Swords mm-hmm. of Plowsha is still a dollar to two dollar card. Like it will yeah. always be well, worth two bucks.
0: And it's funny actually, because people ask me about um auto includes in Commander. Like some people have asked, is the one ring does, does the one ring go into every commander deck? And honestly, I'm of the impression if you have it then yeah, probably. Like, I think oh, so. the, the budget is the only reason you wouldn't run it. You know, and just like you mentioned Psychonic Rift and Oristic Study, Dockside Extortionist, Swords, I think Path to Exile is up there too. Like, if you're in those colors, you just run it. Like, mm-hmm. it's just the best at what it does, and that effect is something every deck wants. So just run it, you know? And the 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 price point is the reason people don't. Like, yeah. that's it. Like, the fact that if you have a blue deck... If it doesn't have Rhystic Study in it, you need to justify that. Or if it doesn't have Cyclonic you need to justify it. And you can, because those are, you know, very expensive cards. You could say, I just didn't want to shell out, you know, 30, 40, 50 bucks for one card. Okay, fair. But, you know, and th- that is a valid reason. But why, like, you talk about reprint equity, they could reprint all of those cards a number of times, and they will retain a decent value, and they will move product yeah, And and speaking of Cyclonic Rift.
1: Indeed. Not only should that be a card that's definitely in Commander Masters, mm-hmm. but I don't know if you want to transition. Oh, heck yes. But it's in one of the anthologies that's coming to Arena. Um, I believe they previewed it as part of the Explorer Anthology series. I um, that's As one yes. of the three cards in sort of that panel of what was getting reprinted. Um, or not reprinted, but put onto arena for the first time. And those are going to start this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you who don't know, um, there is an explore anthologies three and historic anthology seven that is coming to arena within the next two weeks, I believe. Um, but this mm-hmm. weekend are those previews that are happening across multiple creators platforms. Um, And it's great that Wizards is allowing, you know, the content creators to do this because we play Arena Mm -hmm. all the time. Like we're playing those formats um, and we're able to show off the cool new cards that are coming to those formats. Cyclonic Rift is going to be one of them. Now, we all know Cyclonic Rift isn't played in Pioneer. And the whole point of Explorer Anthologies is to bring Pioneer legal cards, or the relevant ones at least, to Arena for the first time. And I think next to Cyclonic Rift was Deathrite Shaman um, that they previewed. And Deathrite Shaman is not played in Pioneer either uh, because there's no Fetchlands in the format outside of Fabled Passage.
2: Um, it would be banned in a heartbeat. It wouldn't make it. Correct. It wouldn't make it. It <laughs> right. just wouldn't make it.
1: So it's interesting um, those choices that they sh- they picked to show you with the preview saying, hey, Explore Anthologies 3 is coming, which makes me think that all of the other Explorer cards that have yet to be previewed are the bangers. Probably. right? Um, and so I'm excited to see what gets revealed there. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But, you
0: know, go ahead. Yeah. So no, the previews start this weekend. There are a ton of amazing creators who are going to be previewing those. So if you haven't really like paid attention to preview season, it's a blast. It's actually a phenomenal time to be on Twitter and just see the creative ways that creators kind of, Show off their cards. Uh, it's it's actually and it's a just it's just a darn good time, um, and it's a great way for wizards to kind of acknowledge creators who've been putting in the work and have been doing a good job as a way of saying here here is a special something that you get to be the one who mm-hmm. shares with the world, and that's super duper cool. And in looking at the creators who do get to reveal cards for these anthologies, it's all of them are super well deserving. And 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 fun fact. One of them is actually here with us with us today. It's a Car- Carlo. That guy. He's got a preview card. It's I freaking do. exciting. Congratulations, dude! Yeah, yeah well deserved.
1: So, so me and two other of our Magic Jank team members will be previewing cards for these anthologies coming up. Um, Absolutely. Myself, uh, E Philly, and Damian F sixteen will be all previewing cards over this weekend. Um, the preview dates are scheduled to be for the 8th and the 9th, um, for everything to sort of culminate and, I guess, reveal everything by the 10th. Um, so, yeah, and I, I don't know which one offhand that Damien is in, but Ephyli mm-hmm. and I are both previewing Historic Anthology 7 cards. Um, and I can tell you by this point, I know what my card is. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you it's a banger. Sweet.
0: I was about <laughs> to say sure. so if you had to guess for one one card that you were pretty sure was in this set, what would it no,
1: <laughs> I know you I know you can't share it at
0: this point. Yeah. But yeah, I'm definitely excited to see that reveal. It's I, gonna I be tell pretty you, sweet. It's
1: a card I've played with in paper magic. Okay. A long time ago. Nice. Uh, and you know, it was I don't want to say it was the pillar mm-hmm. of a format, but definitely made a significant impact. Cool. And um so, yeah. So, the, the point is, though, is where are you going to catch those previews? Um, yes. And the whole idea, I think, is to reveal them on our Twitch streams. So, you know, if you could go to Wes, Wizard's site and you can click the link that they have for all of our Twitch streams. Ham I'm sure we'll have this in the description. Yes, I'll include, for our I'll channels include the link in, like the, in the description. Yep. Uh, yep. I'm not meaning to jump ahead, but join the Magic Jank Discord because you'll find information there. A uh, little plug. And so. Um, My particular preview card will happen this Sunday, the 9th um, at my stream starts 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we're going to go ahead with the reveal at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, But aside from that, we're we're doing it live on Twitch first. Ain't showing it anywhere else besides the Twitch stream until after that happens. Then it'll be on all the different
0: socials. Excellent. Um, Definitely be on the lookout for it. Love it. And if I may give just one piece of advice that I've seen with other uh, reveals that have been done on, on Twitch, if you could like put your face in front of it a little bit, because then people will take that screen cap and share it on all the other websites and your face oh, will be yeah. anyway. I'm just yeah. <laughs> but no, dude, that's that's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So congratulations. That is gonna be a blast. And yes, Damian F 16 and E Philly also have preview cards. So keep an eye out for those as well. It's that's gonna be exciting for sure. So yeah, speaking of the team. So, in addition to this podcast, Magic Jank does have a stream team that we are all all part of as well. But there are a number of other folks as well. Um, definitely check that out and drop follows to all of them because honestly, they're they're on the team because they're awesome creators who deserve your attention. That's really the bottom line. Um, and fun fact. Many of us are actually going to be at MagicCon Vegas coming up this September. So one of the things that will be coming in the next few months, the next few weeks, just so that you're aware, um, you know, that travel is an expense. And we may be asking for your assistance with that because we are still a new company and a new team and we can and every bit helps. So keep an eye out also on our streams for special Mm -hmm. events where we're going to be, you know, raising the hype and getting us ready to go there. And if you are going to be in Vegas, we're going to be walking around. We actually have official team jerseys um, and you'll be you'll be able to spot us. We're going to be absolutely making a fool, looking to get some games in and just wanting to hang out with all of you lovely folks yep. um, because at the end of the day, we are here because we love this game and we want to share with people. So definitely hit us up there and other places and other ways Uh, in which you can hit us up, Um, please go ahead and tweet at us, at Magic Jank. And if you use the hashtag uh, JankMail, that actually is something that we will search up, and we may actually get to your questions or comments and discuss them on this very podcast. So you can do that. We also have a channel on our Discord server. So feel free to jump in there. There's a link in the description, a permanent invite. You can just hop right on in. We would love to have you. So that's where you can keep abreast of all this information uh, as well as an opportunity to just reach out to us directly and, you know, ask us questions, throw out comments. If there are certain topics that you want to see us discuss, that's a great place. We And any feedback is also welcome. And again, yes, I know my voice is rough on this episode. Hopefully this is a one-time thing. Um, I'm aware of that, but it's all welcome. At the end of the day, we're here to build a community. Yeah. That's, that's
2: what it's about. Definitely come yeah. find us. Um, You know, since... Magic is quote unquote back uh, in real life, the paper magic, Um, you know, take these opportunities to really share it, you know, like I'm someone we've all been playing for a long time. I feel like I played a lot of tournaments and my best memories um, have nothing to do with competitive magic, Mm -hmm. you know, like the memories I got to share with Carlo Ham Uh, e philly Mm -hmm. you know at philly was um, phenomenal like one of the best experiences i had in my life uh you know in the magic world and just in general and i think it's like really special uh to be able to share that with everybody and the people that uh we all look up to Mm uh you know there's a lot of people no matter what you know it seems you know there's a lot of people we all look up to and you know being able to go meet these people being able to go Hang out with them, you know. Enjoy the game and enjoy these moments as like a person. It's like something that I think is like really, really incredible. And yeah. you know, we're always really happy to share that with everybody. You know, it's I think that that's like what's really important and really makes this community a lot more close knit than so many other games. You know, the community gets a lot of bad rep sometimes for being really toxic and. You know at the same time there's a lot of really amazing things that happens between mm-hmm. a lot of different creators that you know you wouldn't really see in a lot of other games and a lot of other content essentially and you know, it's a perfect time to come meet us come hang out with us and kind of if you want to you know voice your opinion about magic kind of tell us how you feel and yeah you know we'll definitely talk about it with you and you know we might even have you you know live mm-hmm. like, on our live stream when we're there yeah. and I yeah. just think that these are just so important, you know, they're really special. Yeah, Absolutely. I could tell you,
1: you know, one of the things, not only did I love just like hanging around and playing Magic literally all day at mm-hmm. Philly um, with different groups of very great people, um, but I got to meet some of our Twitch viewers there mm-hmm. for the first time and, you know, getting to know the people in stream is definitely great, um, but then meeting them in person and then hanging out and playing Magic and you're like yeah, these, these are real people, right? Mm-hmm. We are real, real people, but they are real people too. And then we get to interact and play some games and I might destroy them with my Planeswalker Commander deck, but, you know, it happens. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if if you're all going to Vegas, um, any of you who are, who are watching, like, we're going to be there. I want to play Magic with you. If you're a creator, I want to collaborate with you. One hundred percent. One of my favorite parts of Philly uh, was that I got to go interact with all the cool cosplayers. And open booster packs with them. And that was so fun. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and I can tell you, I'll be walking around with my phone doing live streams from the convention center, willing that the internet works there um, to be able to stream that on Twitch, right? Or make a Vlog or, Mm -hmm. you know, just take pictures with folks that we know who are jamming some awesome games of magic. Um, I think that's what's going to be so great about it, outside of it being, of course, in the city of Las Vegas. But, you know it's going to be a good time all around. So if any of you are going to be there, let us know. Um, we definitely would want to meet up with you and have some fun.
2: Absolutely. If Absolutely. you're going to make it out to an event, you know I went to Modern Masters 2 in Vegas, and there's nothing like magic in Vegas. Uh, I sure. really think that there's something bit. in the air, and I think that if you're really, you know, if you really think about what event you want to go to. I really, really, I'm telling you, you want to get to Vegas. Vegas is where it's at. Vegas where everybody's going to be. It's going to be a really good time. And it's just, it's incredible. Like if they're doing it at maybe like the same places that uh, they did it in the past, it's going to be just like, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be huge. Like it's, yeah. I'm really excited about it. And I can't wait for everybody to enjoy it as well. Cause it's just, it's an unreal experience. For sure. Heck yeah.
0: I can't wait. This is actually going to be my first time going to Vegas. Uh, so oh, that means we get to show him around, yeah. So that'll be an interesting experience. I can't wait, yeah. But yes, so yeah, and I'll be walking around with the camera as well. I'm definitely going to be filming quite a bit. So if you see us, don't hesitate to just come on up and say hi, yeah. That's why we're there, yeah. Awesome. So with that, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up episode two of the Magic Jank podcast. Thank you, gentlemen, for hanging out again. Links to everybody's uh, you know, content and everything else, uh, is going to be in the description. Go, go click those. Check them out. We appreciate it. Also, if you're watching this on the YouTube, please like and subscribe. On your podcast app of choice, please follow, subscribe, whatever it's called there. We would appreciate it very, very much. So, thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next one.
1: Catch you next time. Stay cheesy, everybody. Be safe. <laughs>